Hi there. I'm Mike Mandrano from uh, We Digress, the podcast that's a hot mess. And uh, welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Weeb Digress. In this show, Cloudmark is going to be guiding me through the wondrous world of anime, one series at a time. We had a ton of fun recording this episode. We can't wait to record future episodes, and uh, we hope you have just as much fun listening to it. Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Weeb Digress. I am so excited for this show. I've been looking so forward to it. I'm hyped, and I'm here with my buddy, my pal, my arch rival, Mike Duran Duran. <laughs> Why am I the arch rival? <laughs> That's how it goes in Shonen anime, dude. Like, can we... Can we just talk about that intro real quick? Dude, I'm excited. I'm like, yeah. hello and welcome. <laughs> I was excited. I was trying to like not be giddy. So I was like, oh, tone it, tone it down, Mark. Tone it down. Uh, chest voice, chest voice. Chest voice, chest voice. <laughs> How are you doing, Michael? I am, uh, uh, much like you, very, very excited. I have been looking forward to this all week. We are about to get our weeb on, dude. Oh, hey, dude. Um, do you mind if we actually, before we start, if I say a little something? Go for it, bro. You know, Mark, you're my BFF. I've known you for fucking like 13 or 14 years at this point. Um, and you know, we started doing the other podcast uh, last year, and it's been tons of fun. And we started doing this one. Uh, we're gonna do this one because you love anime, and I'm really interested in anime. Uh, so I got you something. I mean, you already knew about this one because I'd sent you a picture, but I got you, I got you this. She look at that, that shit. I got that. Dude, that's got your waifu rem. Yes, right? that like is rem. my favorite shirt already, and I don't even have it. And uh, I got this for you at the convention I went to a while ago. I teased it in Discord, and this is actually going to be your your birthday gift. But you know, I love I teasing. Like, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna show him now, and I'll ship it out to you. Ready? I got you this as well. Let's go, dude. dude! <laughs> I freaking squeed. Okay, dude, that looks. Oh my god. I freaking love it. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, there's like a really bad glare, so I'm trying to like. There you go, dude. Dude, everybody knows that Rem's the quickest way to my heart. Hell yeah, brother. For last year on my birthday, Zach was just like. Yo, I got you a Rem figure. I'm like, my, my brother, <laughs> my brother. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, uh, like I said, I got that for your birthday, and I was like, fuck it, dude. Uh, let's celebrate this, the first episode of the pod. Fuck it. Hell yes, brother. This so, is uh, a big celebration. Yes, dude. I'm very excited, man. I am so excited. And what better way to start off an introductory show with a series that I thoroughly enjoyed. Ooh, 10 years ago now? This came out a while ago, but today we're going to be talking about Go Sick, which is uh, 24 episodes, and it is adapted by Bones. And we all know Bones from a little-known show, uh, My My Hero Academia. That's a, yeah, you know, the, it's a little indie show. 
that uh, macadamia nut show, right? Yeah, macadamia nut show. Okay. Um, so this is actually based off of a series of light novels, um, which is really cool. I, I do love me some light novel adaptations, such as uh, more recently Shield Hero. So if you have seen Shield Hero, that is also a light novel adaptation. And this came out in 2011, dude. Oh my god, that was 10 years ago. That was more than 10 years yeah, ago, dude, bro. We're, uh, we're fucking old. Dude. <laughs> I remember watching this when this came out, and dude, oh my goodness, we were still in high school. Yeah, we wow. would have been juniors. Uh, no, that was our. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Or yes, yeah, juniors or seniors around there, depending yeah. on when it came out. It came out in January. It, it start the air date started at January 8th, and it went until july 2nd okay so and this was back in 2011 so we were still in high school we were still youngins we we're still full of life full of dreams full of hope <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah i wonder what happened but you know <laughs> but um so to get this rolling i just want to get first and foremost did you like this show uh can i be completely honest with you go for it i did not care for it Oh shit! No, I'm just kidding. No, that's fine, dude. I fucking no. In all honesty, two episodes in, I went, "Oh, Mark fucking knows me, dude," because I've talked about it before, right? Like, Case Closed, probably one of the earliest animes I've I'd, I'd ever seen, and I used to get up super early to catch the tsunami at like four four thirty or five in the morning just to watch Case Closed. I yeah. love mystery. And so, like two episodes in, I was like, "Oh fuck, dude, this is great." It's a, it's, it's a mystery. Yeah, you know, right, mystery anime. Right. Uh, I love it. I would give it like a solid seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have that... given it an eight, but I have to deduct half a point. But we can get to that later. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, I think I would give it around the same, probably either a seven and a half or an eight, depending on my mind space at the time. Mm -hmm. But um, just like first impressions, I do think the start of the of the show was the strongest part of it, and it kind of yeah. The ending was eh, like it was still good. It was, I still enjoyed it, but yeah, yeah, I, I do think it gets weaker towards the end. The uh, that that opening for that first episode, I one hundred percent was like, this fucking guy did he really recommend me a horror anime? Yeah, <laughs> right. They go over the whole thing with like the hunt of the rabbits, with, right, like, right, and shit, mm -hmm. and I was like. <laughs> what the fuck dude i was like oh no I, this is gonna be a, not a good time for me i think it, it has like one of the most uh striking openings yeah because you know you see all those little cute bun buns right and then they just get wrecked you know it's yeah. it's watership down over here i don't know if you ever saw that no so okay so a little off topic but watership down is an animated i think it's an english show mm. about rabbits and okay. they all just viciously die from like rabies or other rabbits and they get oh, like poisoned sick, and shit and it yes. apparently scarred a lot of kids because you know really? people thought it was a because it was an animated show yeah. it was for kids so they took their kids to see it and these rabbits are like getting eviscerated by like a dog or something or they get rabies and then they fight each other and eviscerate each other there's like blood everywhere and it's crazy mm -hmm. so but yeah basically there's a bunch of rabbits the releasing of the hound yeah. they get absolutely annihilated but uh before we go into the story i do want to talk about the uh, people who worked on this uh, as as i stated earlier it is adapted by bones and mm -hmm. i think bones is one of 
the premier studios of today. I think there's some of they have some of the best animation. You know, we got My Hero Academia, obviously, My Hero Macadamia Nut. Yeah. You know, and uh, the fight scenes there. Mob Psycho 100 is just insanely just beautiful. You know, and they got slow stuff like Carol and Tuesday. These are more recent shows by them. And I feel like Bones rarely misses on what they do. Um, the animation throughout the series, I think, was pretty pretty good. Like it was like obviously there was no big, huge shonen action fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like All Might, you know, giving somebody a United States of Smash. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it was pretty just consistent throughout the entire show. I don't think there was a frame where I was like, wow, that looks fucking terrible. No, it was definitely, uh, I really enjoyed the animation style of it. Um, the, can I be honest with you, dude? Go for it. The fucking opening like the opening like song and yeah. the animation yeah. fucking slaps dude it does yes it does it was so fucking pretty yeah the bright so color pretty. it was like pastel colors yeah man it was really nice and i think that's like really nice to juxtapose against the actual show cuz the show the oh, show's yeah. hella dark people die oh, when they're yeah. killed 100% yeah um so it was directed by hitoshi nanba who i couldn't really find a lot of stuff on but He's going to take secondary because I want to talk about the script supervisor mm-hmm. who is Mari Okada. Michael, do you know who that is? No. Michael, you should know who that is. Who, you know okay. why? Because she wrote why? the script to Anohana. Oh, did she really? She did. Oh. All right, let me, let, me give you, let me give you some of her works. We'll, we'll start from like an early work. Hamtaro. Really? <laughs> Whoa, that's a fucking throwback, dude. <laughs> So we got Hamtaro, we got Rosen Maiden. I don't know if you've ever seen Rosen Maiden. No. That one's uh, similar to this one in the sense that it has gothic Lolita girl as like the okay. Um, What's one that Mike would know? Vampire Knight. No, don't know that no? one. No? Hey, man, listen, I'm an I'm a anime noob. Okay, Toradora, because I showed you Toradora. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think you've heard of Black Butler. Yes, I have. Okay, so she yeah, she's I had, a, I had a friend in college who's obsessed with that anime. Yeah, she's she's the the series composition of all these. So she's like the the big script honcho. Okay. You know, and then she obviously did Anohana, which we freaking love. Uh, Pet Girl of Sakurasa, which is one of my favorite shows. Selector Spread Wickross, which is one of my favorite shows. They, she's just. She is one of my favorite screenwriters. She is a god in my eyes. I absolutely love everything that she does. And I was, I actually didn't know that she worked on it. I, when I was researching the show, I was like, no way. It's fucking Mario Kata. And I think her strength plays really, really well to hear, to, blah, blah, to this show because she really writes good interaction between characters. Yeah. And I think that really shines into this show because the character interactions in this are like the main, like the character stories are the main story. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, how Victorique and Cujo interact with each other really pushes the story along and yeah. really develops their relationship and the relationship of it, it. She she just does it so well. I think that is one of the main reasons I love this show. Yeah, I mean the uh the writing in the show was like the dialogue was great. 
um obviously when it's like when it comes to mysteries i i think i'm so used to like you know mysteries and like american tv shows um where it's like you like you as an audience member you kind of like figure out who committed the crime or whatever but i think this one was like written in such a way where like one you couldn't really figure out who like the you know the uh what's the word i'm looking for uh the criminal leader the perpetrator right which was fine because i think ultimately it didn't really matter who the perp was right because like you said what drove the story was that relationship between Cujo and Victory, you know, and it and it was really like everything that happened, like all the all the secondary characters, I feel were were th- there. You got a sense oh, of what their yeah. characters were, but everything that they did lent itself to further that relationship uh, between the two main characters, right? You know, right. in a way that was really, really natural. You know, nothing seemed forced. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I think that's Mario Kata's specialty. I don't know, like her specialty, but like she's just really good at it, and like everything that she does. So you know, like um, I don't know if you ever saw Makuya. Mm. That was her directorial anime film debut, okay. and um. What did she? What award did you? Oh yeah, she won the Shanghai International Film Festival Award for the best animated film, and it's just well received by critics and mm-hmm. you know fantastic, obviously. But uh, Michael, do you want to know how she started her career? How did she start her career? Hit me with it. <laughs> her earliest is it, is it bad? I mean, you're giggling. It's bad. Her earliest jobs okay included creating scenarios for direct to video. Uh, anime. Nice, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Freaking> nice. <laughs> I love it, dude. I think that's. What do you, what do you, what do you mean by scenarios? So I, Is I'm this a... like a choose your own adventure thing. Or... I think like you know how. Um, obviously, like I'm gonna bring up that one thing where the chick runs into the bathroom and she's like, "Get out of the water! Get out of the water! There's a shark." And he's like, okay. this isn't a beach. I'm in a bathtub or whatever the hell he says. <laughs> I like to think that she did that. But for. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's what I like to think. But hey, is I mean. It, uh, is this like a help me step bro scenario? I, like... I don't know. It, it doesn't really go into like what she worked on, yeah. but. Yo, speaking of which, um, choose your own adventure anime. If that hasn't been done yet, did I just have another million dollar idea? <laughs> I feel like that might be like visual novels because you obviously okay. choose the girl, right? And then you like choose the girl. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> game. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, um, Mario Kata, I think that's one of the biggest reasons I enjoyed this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way she handles characters and character development is just god tier and she is one of the best in the business and i i always look i i was going over her entire you know work and i was like i i like like 90 percent of these shows and i was like maybe i'm just a mario kata stan man maybe that's it maybe maybe i just just do everything with it yeah dude hell yeah i'm okay with that 
And then uh, you mentioned earlier, I want to talk about the opening and the ending. So the, okay, the opening theme is called Destin Histoire. <laughs> Take two. Nice, Destin Histoire by Risa Yoshiki. Editor, cut that out. <laughs> editor, editor, <laughs> cut that out. We'll fix it in post. But uh, as we were going over earlier, it is it's very bright and happy. You know, it yeah. starts off with like the little piano thing that you know, and then it's got the pastel colors, got flowers and really bright poppy colors. I think it's like it's a bait and switch, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, <clears throat> it's it's really funny though because like we we mentioned earlier in that first episode, the first thing you see is the releasing of the hounds mm-hmm. and they're hunting rabbits, and that's literally the first thing you see. And then it, and it's it's like that finishes, and then immediately it's just like this bright, wonderful, upbeat opening. Yeah. And so you're really kind of like, what the fuck am I about to watch? <laughs> you know, like what, like what is this? I'm getting mixed messages here. You know, you got boom, yeah. and then boom, and you're just like, which one do I boom to? <laughs> boom to. Okay, so did you like the? Oh well, the ending is uh, re- there's two endings to the series. Yeah. There's resuscitated hope. And uh, Unity by Lisa Komine. And uh, I really like the first ending a lot better than the second yes. ending. I also I think the first the ending's... Ending. I also hate the second ending. <laughs> it was not good. It was not... I don't know, dude. It's just... Like, it was such a weird... To me, like, it was a weird decision to go with that second uh, ending. Right. Right. Which apparently... Because I, I, I can't remember how I stumbled across this, but... It was, I guess, originally season one and season two, mm-hmm. or at least that's how it was split up by, I don't know, by maybe on, just on Google. I don't so, know. like, there's cores for anime, so you get yeah. core one and then core two. Yeah, so it's, like, episodes one through 12 was core one, and then 13 through 24 was core two. Right. But when you watch it on Funimation, it's just Gosik episodes one through 24. Right. Yeah, um, and... That, so that second theme, ooh, ooh, second open uh, ending, excuse me, was just not great. So apparently, the broadcast was affected by an earthquake. Really? Yeah. After the eleventh episode, the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, um, affected the release date of the episodes going on from there. Okay. <clears throat> I don't think that had anything. To, I like. I always think Unity was going to be the second ending. Um, but that is something to you know be aware of. Yeah. But uh, I liked Resuscitated Hope the best out of the three, you know, oh, the yeah, opening. and the I think the music itself is really good. And then the visuals get like, you yeah. know, not, not, not like stills, but like muted colors of the characters. And it's like bombastic with the dun-dun-dun. I'm not going to hum it. But I, wish <laughs> I, I wish I could play like a little snippet of it, but I, well. They signed the new DMCA thing. You, well, okay, you can technically play up to 30 seconds of something, and you'll, you're still good on copyright. Okay, Anything I'm going to... beyond that has to be transformative in nature. All right, then I'm going to play 15 seconds of Resuscitated Hope, because I actually love this a lot. All right, so here, here it comes. Ready? I don't know, it goes on from there. But I think that's like 
the just the first note, the loneliness, dun -dun, you know, I think that's such a good, especially when you're at the end of the episode and you're like yeah. really pumped, you know, you you get further in whatever mystery they're going over that that episode. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just love how it goes like with each character and then the colors. I'm like losing my mind with it. Yeah, and see that's that right there was the biggest issue I had with the second uh ending song that they that they used. Because you'd be like, especially when you get towards the end of the season, right? Where it's like now everything is like much more interconnected than it was. Right. Like to a point where, you know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like something like really like an emotional peak would occur. Right. The episode would end. And then it was this fucking like slow song would start playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It and, just kind of took the wind out of the sails yeah, and you're like, Ugh. and like that song doesn't pick up until like what, maybe 25 <clears throat> seconds in. Yeah. It, it takes a bit. It, it takes like, a good bit. Up. Yeah. That was my biggest issue. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's a bad song. I just don't think oh, it no, 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 no. Not by any means. with the show, like, like the first, you know, the ending mm -hmm. really great. That first ending, uh, the opening is really great. It feels like it goes with the show. But I, I mean, that's, you know, that's a small gripe, I would say. Yeah. Especially if you're just skipping the endings like a heathen. Said it. I, uh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't start doing that until the second song. <laughs> no. Second Dude, I, w I'm sorry, but I would like after the third time that I heard it, I was like, I'm just going to fucking do 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 next episode. I'm not even. Yeah. I, same thing. I was like, yeah. eh. But I'm, dude, I'm telling you, every okay, like when I watch Digimon, right? I skip through the opening, the opening song. Yeah, I just want to get to the meat. This, this anime, fuck, dude, you know that I'm about to start fucking dropping it like it's hot, bro. When that opening comes <laughs> out, and when that first ending comes out, dude, I'm fucking, I'm in the club, dude, twerking. You know what I'm saying? Oh hell yeah, fucking bro! Hell yeah, dude, so good. So, the opening theme. Wait, I lost the... Okay, Destin History... History? History? Histoire? Whatever the <laughs> hell it is. Histoire? Um, by Risa Yoshiki. And I was doing some research on Risa Yoshiki. And, uh... So she's a singer and a gravure idol. Okay. Do you know what a gravure idol is, Michael? No idea. Alright, so a gra... In Japan, a gravure idol, often as abbreviated as gradol, or gravure idol, okay? is a female model who primarily models for magazines, especially men's magazines, photo books, or DVDs. Okay. So I guess it would be like posing for Maxim, I guess? Okay. See, you said idol, and my, my initial thought was like idol, like, uh, perform like uh, singers, I guess, right? Yeah. That's, so that's interesting. I think she has a really pretty voice, actually. Oh, yeah. And she, she hasn't actually really done a lot of, music that i could find she she released two singles and seven dvds and she's also apparently a, she's currently a radio host okay which uh yeah, that's cool i mean I, I i liked her voice i think she could have been i think that it could have been more songs but that's a thing that's okay she did her thing we all know her we're talking about her over here in the states you know from a yeah. show 10 years ago so i think she she left an impression <clears throat> um, okay, so before we get into the story, I think we should talk a little bit about the main characters. I'm going to say main three. Even three. though... 
Yeah, I'm gonna add uh, Graveal there because I think he's pretty important, even if he's uh, not. Uh, Inspector Deblua. Yeah, Deblua. Uh, I think he's pretty important. Um, you know, yeah. we, we find out going through how he's related to Victoric and his interactions with Cujo and everything. Mm -hmm. But the main star of the show is Victoric Deblua. Mm -hmm. I I fucking love that name, dude. Deblua. 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 <laughs> Dude, somewhere the French are mad at us. Again. I know she's—they're yelling at us. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just gonna read this synopsis of of Victorique. Mm -hmm. So she's a 15 year old girl who studies at Saint Marguerite Academy. That's the main hub, I guess I would say, of the story. That's like you know when they're not on a mystery, they're back there doing you know resting for the next mystery, I guess. Yeah. Um. So she is portrayed as a girl who lives her entire life as an enigma. And uh, she's like a mystery in herself that Cujo comes in to solve, basically. Yeah. And she, I, I really, her appearance is very, very striking. Yeah. She is very short. Um, in the anime, she's five feet tall. But I think in the light novel, she's said to be four six. Okay. Which is. Omega tiny. That's four and a half feet. Yeah. So obviously Omega tiny. But everybody always, always, always throughout the entire series equates her to a doll. Yeah, that's actually the first interact. That's the first thing that Cujo, mm -hmm. the other main character, mm -hmm. uh, says about her, right? Yep. He sees her. Is that a doll? And she's like, you're an idiot. She doesn't say <laughs> that, but you know, she basically that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she, th she's hella smart. She is, she yeah. puts me and you to shame, Michael. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. With her, uh, her wellspring of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Got her wellspring of knowledge, which is basically, she, it's like her special ability to reconstruct everything in her head to find the answer to it. She basically like brain blast. Yeah. She, it's, it's literally it her brain blast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally um, the thing I like about her is that she she has the gothic Lolita style. I've always been a fan of the gothic Lolita style. I think it's very good. It's very striking. And I think she she nails it. Like sometimes it feels like they just throw in those characters just have a wide range of how people look. But you can tell that when she was conceived, her character was conceived, she was always going to look like this. Yeah. And uh, she is A.A. Ron's favorite type of character, a tsundere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. She's pretty 100%. soon. She's pretty soon. How, how do you feel about her, Michael? I, okay. <laughs> well, okay, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Right. Um, I, at first, I was like, she's fucking funny. Right. Just because of, like, how, how blunt she, you know, is. And then, like, as a sh you know, so I was, I, I guess I would say indifferent. Okay. Okay. You know, cause I was just like, oh, like she's just, she's fucking just blunt and super funny. And then as things started progressing and you start learning more about her, mm -hmm. I was like, that's my little girl, dude. That's my little baby. That's my little baby. That's yeah. My baby. Yeah. She, uh, she goes through some shit, man. Yeah. She goes through some shit. And I think that really affects how you, when you first see her, it's obvious yeah. that she doesn't have, She's not used to interacting with people. Yeah. It's and, pretty and, obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like we talked about earlier with the like character development and like character interactions. 
it's like you you're introduced to her and she's just like she doesn't care of if she hurts your feelings if she thinks you're stupid she'll call you an idiot <laughs> you know and then it's like you're kind of like wow that's that's a little fucked up but then you start to realize why she's like that and mm-hmm. uh it, it's it's really it was just really well done like the writing was really well done on her uh, for her character the voice acting was done i watched the dub version i so i've seen I, both but okay. for this for this show i watched the dub as well okay and uh yeah, she's voiced by afia Yu in english okay i don't know what else she does actually i can tell you but in the anime she's voiced by aoi yuki who does like every lolly voice you can think of <laughs> uh. well there's that but uh that's victorique she's I want to say like the premier main character, even though she's not the most, she doesn't have the most screen time. I think she is the premier main character and the story revolves wholly around her. Yeah. hundred percent. One. Yeah. Um, so obviously she has to have very strong characterization to carry that. I think she does. I think she does a good job. And then we'll go to our main hero, uh, Kazuya Kujo, who is a Japanese born boy who leaves his home to study in Sabiel. Um, that's where St. Marguerite Academy is. That's a fictional kingdom in EU somewhere. And, uh, it's in Sabur? Sabur, yeah, the kingdom of Sabur. Um, from what I understand, it is very French-inspired, so that everybody there is... The the main language is French, from what I understand. Obviously, we're all gonna hear them in English, and we're not gonna hear... Yeah. Which would be cool if we did. I think that would be sick. Also, though, like Victorique de Blua, that's that's a French. That is one of the most French names I've ever heard. <laughs> Besides, I don't know, like Jean, I guess. Jean Valjean. Yeah, Jean, Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. Yeah, but okay. So, Kazia, we'll get back to him because I you know, I want to give him his due. He's uh he's kind of dumb. I'm not gonna lie. I, I have I have a I have a thing to say about about him. Oh shit! Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Okay, okay, that's fine. Um, the main thing about him, I guess, is he's the son of an the third son. Of an imperial an soldier. Imperial officer. Yep. And he lets you know it. He lets you know it. <laughs> that was always my favorite line, dude. I'm the third son of an imperial officer. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, from that, we can infer that he places a high value on justice, duty, and honor. Right? Yeah. That's that's how it was. This, this story is set, by the way, in the 20s. The 1920s. Yes. So, obviously. Right World War one right 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 and so that's obviously a big part of him being brought up and not only that but being the youngest of the the sons so you know the son of a soldier is going to have a lot more expectations on him to become something in that time period you know so we can tell that he you know he's he's got some he's got some things to work through and uh he actually starts off really bad He's uh yeah. He's referred to as the Dark Reaper in the series. Um by his classmates, we're I should gonna, say. We're just going to jump into this then. Yeah. Uh go for it. So, he's like you said the Black Reaper because there's a, a lot of the things, there's another character that is always referencing like these fairy tales, right? Yeah. And one of the fairy tales is about a Black Reaper who comes in the spring, right? Right. And he is a foreigner 
who go who goes to the school, right? He's a transfer student, goes to the school. He shows up in the spring, right? Right. So then all of his other classmates refer to him as the Black Reaper and they like alienate him. They don't want to have anything to do with him. And for me, I was like, it's a little, it's a little xenophobic. That's a little racist. <laughs> so, it 100% racist. is, yeah. Yeah. Cause like that was the whole like, and again, I think it lends itself to showing like, you know, like, you know, that he is an, a bit of an outcast. Right. And but yeah, dude. Anytime they'd be like, "Oh, it's the Black Reaper," I would just like, "Oh, I'd cringe a little bit." It's the White Reaper. I, Come and on, bro. I would bro. just be like, "Oh, I fucking racist." Yeah, that's pretty much how it would go. Yeah. But uh, you know, he he just wants to make friends, and his first friend actually ends up being Victoria. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll we'll get more. And you know, he's like he's a classic protagonist. He's got a black hair. Kind of messy, goes down to his face. You know, just think of the a generic protagonist. There you go. You got Kazuya. Got Kazuya Kujo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last character I want to talk about is Greville de Bois. Blah, blah. De Bua? De, de blah, blah, blah. Um, he is. He has first off, got the best hair I've ever seen in an anime. <laughs> It is Put fucking Yugi Moto to shame, bro. This man has a freaking torpedo on his head. He's a unicorn. <laughs> He's just like, Pushew! it's insane. I yeah, love it. Dude. He's uh, if you could not tell by their last name, he is related to Victorique. Oh, well, we'll get to that later. Yep. I love how he's uh, described. Reveal is a tall and handsome man in his 20s. He fashions a weird drill-like hairstyle, which requires a long time to set. Um, he's he's basically hot, right? But then he yeah. has this weird hairstyle, so people are just like, uh, "You okay? You good?" And he's very like, uh, not what is he? Not bombastic personality, outgoing. Uh, I don't know. I would I would refer to him as a uh, eccentric. Yeah, he's eccentric in um, he's very eccentric, basically, yeah. and I think he's. A, he he has his reasons for doing things, and I think he's a cool dude. I think... Yeah. He, he was a character that I was, like, up and down on. I was yeah. like, okay, this dude, he's funny. He's kind of a douche. He's <laughs> funny again. And, oh, he's doing the right thing. But now he's not, so he I fucking hate him. And then by the end of it, I was like, hey, you know what? Not a bad guy. Hey, he's pretty good, pretty good, pretty, he, pretty he, okay. You know, just because he was a bad guy doesn't mean he was a bad guy. That Yes, that is very, very true. You can be a bad guy, but you don't have to be a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think those are the three most important characters. Well, not most important, but those are the three characters that I would put in the forefront of the series. They're very, very important. But uh, like I said before, the whole story revolves about Victorique. She is the main catalyst to literally everything. And now I think we can finally get into the story, Michael. All right, dude. Hit me with it. Here we go. I'm going to go by, like, arc. So, yeah, like, totally fine. Okay, However you cool. want to do it. So we start off the very start of the series. Um, I think the first episode... Oh, I have the episode list right here. The Golden Fairy Saves the Dark Reaper. And uh, this is also referring to the fairy tales that Michael mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we will see that fairy tales are used a lot, a lot in this in this show. Like my goodness, L literally every case is based on a fairy tale, and I think that's super cool. Um, it gives a really cool theme to it, and it it, it feels nice to me, Michael. It feels pretty nice to me. So we start off introductions, obviously Kazuya. He's like, I'm a, I'm from Japan, and I'm here in this place. Yeehaw! I ain't got no friends. What? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, yeehaw, brother! <laughs> um, but through through the first episode, we actually his teacher, Miss Cecile. You like Miss Cecile, Michael? Fucking, that's my waifu. There, I thought so. I thought yeah, so. Yeah, dude, that's my waifu. She takes a shine to Kazuya, basically, and she wants him to make friends. She she wants him to be a happy boy. Mm -hmm. So she's like, "Uh, library, there's cool shit there." And he's like, "If you say so." And this is where we get the first introduction to Victoric and their first interaction. Doesn't doesn't she tell him to go deliver something to the top? Yeah, of the like handouts or something. Mm -hmm. Some of the homework paper, whatever. Because Victorique is a problem child that doesn't go to class. Well, she doesn't need to, dog. She's got the, the wellspring of uh, She's got the wellspring dude. of knowledge, dude. Or is it a wisdom? I can't remember. Uh, I think it's wisdom. Wisdom. But you could probably say either. I don't matter. But uh, it's really cool, and that it gives us like a once they meet, you know, they have the their first interaction where Kazuya, you know, finds out she's a little arrogant, which is it's fair, a little, little, little bit arrogant. That's completely fair. But it introduced. I think the 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 main thing was to introduce the very first mystery, mm -hmm. and the first mystery being that of a fortune teller named Roxanne getting murdered. And Victorique actually solves it in like two seconds, and I was like, "All right, she just three hundred IQ'd this." <laughs> I know, dude. It was a, it was pretty cool, but um, through through all the evidence, she's like, "Oh, by the way, you remember that maid that she has? Yeah, that's who killed her." And uh, she's telling this to her brother, reveal that because uh, he's a detective trying to figure out the case, and he comes to her. He comes to her. I'm gonna put this in quotations because he doesn't actually address her. He addresses yeah. Kazuya, Kazuya Kujo, and he calls him a little squirrel, which I think is really cute. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of squirrely, so... He is very squirrely, but uh, I think the main thing to take away from that is that he doesn't address Victoria. He addresses Kazuya, mm -hmm. and she basically solves the case for him, and this has been going on for a while. I just had, uh, with you saying that, I had a realization about something. Oh, what was your realization? Yeah, well, 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 it's 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 gonna spoil the end, but that's fine. If I remember, you know, I'll bring it up. Okay, that's fine. Um, the big thing is they find out that the maid killed Roxanne, and that she was supposed to attend, um, a ship party thing called the Queen Fairy. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. So, under that guise, and I actually think this is one of my favorite parts of the show. The I think the ship is really well done. Yeah. Under that guise, there's a bigger mystery afoot. So, Victorique and Kujo decide to pose as them. They take the invitation, and they're like, hey, this is us. Let's let us on the Queen Berry. So then they go, and this starts the, queen, the mysteries of the Queen Berry arc. Which is... Is this my favorite arc? I don't know. I think it's a really strong introduction. Yeah, it's yeah, 
for sure. It's really cool. I I'd put it up there, like for me, uh, in terms of arcs, it's it's up there. Yeah, it is. It's a strong ending. I think it's. Uh, I don't know, cause some of them I'm just like, eh, this was okay. This is fine. Yeah. I also think this is one of the longer ones. I think this takes two and a half episodes, right? Maybe even three yes. episodes. This is one of the longer ones, because they usually take one to two episodes, but I think this one takes three. Trying to see. Oh, that's yeah, fine. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, how long does this one take? But, uh. Three if you count one. Yeah, like. It's like half of one, right? Because you get the introduction, yeah. the first half, and then the other one. But, uh, this goes back to. This harkens back to the very beginning of the show, where we were talking about earlier with the rabbits and the hound. It comes from that spooky t- tale where there's one hound and a bunch of rabbits and the rabbits have to run away from the hound or they'll be killed. And this is how the Creamberry arc starts off. They get drugged, eating in the, in the thing, in the, in the ship with uh, all the other rich people. And when they wake up, they find, you know, random rich person A. I don't think he even had like a name or anything. Random rich person A through E, plus the named characters, yeah. <laughs> which we had Julie Guile, who, uh, what's up, Julie? How you doing? That's my waifu. Yeah, Julie, Julie was cute. I'm not going to lie. Julie was cute. Um, Ned and what was the rich guy's name? Maurice. Ned and Maurice. And those are the side characters introduced in this side quest. First mystery. I don't know why I called it a side quest. <laughs> it's a side quest to the larger. It's a side quest, quest basically. But um, over the course of the first arc, we find out that this happened ten years ago, where a bunch of kids were put in this boat, and one of them was a hound, and the kids had to survive, and it ended up that I think five of the kids, no, six of the kids died. Yes. Like, they went through the whole ship trying to get to the communications place to, like, signal for help. And through it, there was, like, they, they ended up killing each other. Because one dude was the catalyst to it. And, um, those kids, you can, I, I feel like they didn't do a very go- a good job of, like, because, like, when I first see them, I'm like, oh, that's the kid from 10 years ago. Yeah. Did you think that? Yeah, like, as soon as they did that, because like they introduce the like the seven randos and then like maurice julie and ned yeah and then they flash back a little bit after that right and it's it's not subtle dude it's literally like it's a flashback and it's like front and center is julie yeah like younger (laughs) like literally same like same face same hairstyle uh, I think she was also wearing red in the flashback, wasn't she? I don't I think know. she might have had like a red hoodie on or something. And then she was wearing a red dress in the present. So it was like, you, you could tell it was her. Okay. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. I, like well, I was like, that's 100% her. Yeah. Know? Well, I think, like I said earlier, like they don't really, to me, it doesn't seem like they're really like trying to like have the audience figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all the mysteries just serve a, a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Um, so when they wake up after being drugged, they figure out that they're in the same situation as the kids from ten years ago. There's one hound amongst them, and the rest of them are rabbits. 
And obviously these rich, rich people are like, let's do the worst thing ever. Right? So it's storming. They're on a boat. And they're like, let's get off this big boat and go on a little boat. Yeah. And that ends up as well as you think. They all die. All right, end of the end of the series. End of the series, everybody dies <laughs> pretty good. But uh basically that was used to kill off all the non-named characters. Cuz it just leaves yeah. you with Maurice, Ned, Julie, and then Kazuya and Dorik. And uh over the course of it, they have to they have the same objective, get to the transmission room, to send a transmission. Mm-hmm. And through this we see Kazuya and Victorique get closer to each other. To the point where they do the ultimate anime sin. I know, dude. They fucking hold hands. Oh, Hashtag lewd in the chat, dude. Lewd as fuck, bro. My goodness. Holding hands yeah. in this Christian stream. It's, uh... Honestly, it's pretty nice. Because... Yeah. It, like... We know that she's a tsundere, right? And that's, you know, she's like, it's not like I like you or anything. You know, that's a stereotypical thing. But I like that she's like, you can tell that she's not going to be a stereotypical tsundere. Like, she's still going to have the moments where, like, obviously she calls uh, Kujo an idiot. But to be fair, he's an idiot sometimes. So he deserves it. I I think so. I think in any other instance, I would have just thought that Kujo was just overbearing. Right. But because you get that whole like I'm the I'm the third son of an imperial officer, and you understand that like he views the world in such a way that to him, if he's able to do something to help somebody, he has to do it. Right. right? It's not, it's not just like a want to do it. It's like he has to. It's a need for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so you get that, and you see right away that like. He's going to do whatever he can to help Victorique, who he literally just met. Right. And immediately you get that sense from Victorique that, like, she doesn't interact with people a lot. Mm. So for her, right, having that interaction, whether she's calling him an idiot or they're holding hands or whatever, I think you can immediately see how that is going to change her or, or, or change her perspective on things. Right. It's it's really nice to actually see character development other than I mean, I guess you're okay, blush, but you're still an idiot. <laughs> you know. I I and I am going to I'm going to give this to Mario Kata because I 100% it's all on her. It 100% was her. Because that gets so annoying after after time, you know what I mean? But uh through the course of this they find out that the hound was Ned, that piece of shit, and Lucky he was Ned. He was also the hound 10 years ago. Motherfucking Jigglypuff Ned. But he gets absolutely annihilated by Julie. He gets an axe to the back, which I thought was pretty sick. And I was like, damn, girl, what's up? She said, let me ask you a question. Yeah, so she asks him a question. And, you know, we also find out that Maurice was one of the rich people that set up the thing 10 years ago. Yeah. And what was really cool, actually, about the 10 years ago, and this, this will come back later in the story was that they used those kids to basically fortune tell what was going to happen in the great war oh yeah i totally mm-hmm. forgot about that mm-hmm. so each kid was a nationality mm-hmm. and the nationalities that made it ended up being the victors of the first world war ah so we get that in the very first mystery and it comes back yeah. 
you know, it'll, it'll come back later in the story, which I think is really cool. I think you get a little piece from each mystery. You get a little piece that comes back later in the story. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. And then <laughs> I'm sorry, but this next character, this next arc. Okay. So that was the, that was the end of the arc. The next arc, we get the introduction of <laughs> Avril Lavigne herself. Bro. Okay. Listen. Okay. I couldn't I... stop. I fucking love Avril, dude. That's my girl, Avril Levine, I boy. I loved <laughs> Avril so much. Kujo's a skater, boy. She said, see you later, boy. <laughs> dude, I fucking... Well, technically, he's the one that said, I'll see you, yeah, see he, you later, Yeah, boy. yeah. So, Avril, Avril Bradley comes in as the secondary love interest, Kujo. Not that she ever stood a chance. She is... She's tossed away, like, in every single freaking episode, like... Yeah. Like rip in peace, Avril, because holy shit. She gets absolutely destroyed. What sorry, real quick, was this the episode that started with the the motorbike? Yes. Okay, dude. <laughs> I remember watching that and then seeing that happen and I was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, it's actually crazy. So this episode yeah. starts off with Kujo going to get groceries for Sophie, who's the house yeah. mother. Um and as he's walking along, there's this motorbike. Dude, he's like, I'm just driving along on my motorbike. And then this this dude's head just goes clean off. He just gets yeah. freaking, uh, he crashes right in front of Cujo. His head gets freaking cut off. It's insane. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I like it. But um, that that's a setup to introduce Avril. Avril Bradley, who is uh, a self-proclaimed adventurer, adventurer uh, in the footsteps of her grandfather, who is a really famous adventurer. Um, I don't think we have to go over her, like, the dude who took her, or the chick who took her identity for, like, half an episode. I don't think that really matters, honestly. Yeah, I think this the only thing is, like, you're introduced to this character, turns out she's not really Avril. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. She's just, like, she's uh, trying to take uh the first stamp in the world that Avril's grandfather oh, yeah, gave to was. Avril. And Avril, where did where did Cujo find her? In a shed. And that's right. Okay. Um. Yeah. So he, she's all knocked out in a shed, and Cujo saves her, which I think is what leads to her developing a crush on him. Yeah. That was her night, and she she does call her, she calls him, the dark knight that saves. Well, I actually don't remember what she basically calls her a knight that saves. <laughs> The Dark Knight? She is the he's the Dark I'm Knight. Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> I don't wear hockey pads. <laughs> I uh real real quick, I just wanna point this out. I I mentioned earlier about the whole like they uh Cujo's uh classmates refer to him as the the Reaper the the the, the, the Black Reaper. The Black Reaper or the Dark Reaper. The, the Dark Reaper that came in the spring, right? Right. And then Avril shows up fucking white girl with blonde hair dude look at that and instantly everybody is like head over heels with her yeah like all the dudes are like whoa dude a blonde girl we don't get that in france <laughs> and all the girls are like oh my god a blonde girl we don't get those in france <laughs> there's like eight blonde girls yeah dude it's there's crazy so though, many like, it's pretty immediately funny immediately they're just like we love avril we love avril you know us to a point where like when they see her interacting with Cujo, they like pull her away and they're like, "No, don't talk to him." Yeah, that's the that's the Reaper of of Death, you know. Yeah, 100%. it's uh, 
pretty sad, honestly. Yeah, it really is. It's pretty sad. Um, but that'll lead us to our next arc, the village of Victorique's roots, which is in Horvitz. And uh, this is a big thing where Victorique is referred to as obviously the the golden fairy in the tower, mm-hmm. or By the 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 school, right? the school. And then Avril also, or other people say that she's a gray wolf. And it turns out that she's descended from a group of people called the Gray Wolves. From uh, basically a village tucked in uh, in like a forest or something. Mm-hmm. And she's descended from them, but she has no connection with them because we find out her mother was from there, but she was basically cast out from the village. So, this arc... Uh, we basically they find a was it an ad in a paper? I'm pretty sure it was an ad in a paper. Talking about a festival going on there. The sol the summer solstice. Yeah, something like that. And uh, this is also when Avril and Cujo are on a date in the shopping center. Yes. Well, I mean, I Avril Levine thinks it's a date, but Cujo is just like, "You're okay, Avril. I guess," because you know. Ri- <laughs> Poor went out for our girl Avril. He gets wrecked. I think that's why I liked her so much. Was just like the unrequited love. Oh yeah. Um, Cujo is such a <laughs> fucking idiot. Cujo does some dumb things. I'm not even gonna lie. Dude's dumb as hell yeah, sometimes. Dude. <laughs> there was a there was a part later on in the series where like she finally thinks that like you know he's calling out to her because he you know likes her, feels some type of way about her. And then she's just super disappointed. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> goodness. It's, like, it's a moment where she like disappointed and then she just finally accepts it, you know? Oh man. It's, it's, um, but I do mention them going to the shopping center because that does introduce two characters that we will see later. One of them less important being Mildred, the failed nun. Uh, the hot That's nun. That's my wife. Bro. The hot nun. Yeah, I was about to Dude, say. Mildred was like, "Oh, baby." Yeah, Mildred was. Yes. Um. Was like, Fuck, dude. <laughs> time to be a man of God. And more importantly, to Brian Roscoe's chicken and waffles. Yeah. Yeah. Who we'll talk about later, but he's not important right now. <laughs> so basically, Cujo. Gets this newspaper, he's like, oh, that seems cool. I wonder if that'll interest Victorique. But he takes it up to her, and he's like, look at this shit I found in the paper. And Victorique knows that, like, you know, this is where her mother came from and everything. So she's just like, I'm gonna go basically clear her mother's name. Mm-hmm. That's what she sets out to do, and she takes Cujo with her. Um, I mentioned Mildred earlier, and it, on the train to Horovitz, they actually run into Mildred again. And she's gonna, you know, she, she's, she's gonna be important. But they also run into the most evil, sketchy-looking people I have seen in an anime. They don't look evil, right? But they're introduced, and they're like, Hey, look at me. I'm sketchy as fuck. That's, that's pretty much what they say. And it's uh, basically three fine arts students going to see the artistry of the village. Yeah, it was uh, Alan, Derek, and... Raul. Raul. Yeah, one of our people, Raul. And they spell it fucking weird, dude. They, they do. R A O U L. Yeah. Raul. <laughs> oh, man. So when they get to the village, they're met with not happiness. The entire village is like up in arms. They're like, that's Cordelia. Cordelia is 
Victorinique's mother. That's Cordelia's daughter. We don't take Kylie to her in these parts. And, um... Yeah, dude. <laughs> they went super southern. Yeah, they go super southern, and then the village elder is like, eh, let him in. Let him in. I'm just gonna be a crazy old guy. Yeah, so, he was... His whole thing was like, yeah, well, like, that's 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 her that's her daughter, but, like, you know, she's the one of us, so she should ex experience the fucking solstice. Right. Just like any of us would. Right. And, uh... See, basically leads them to where they're gonna stay, and it's like the main house or whatever. And there we meet, um, <laughs> a maid who is yeah. a little, a little. She's, uh, she's got some issues, but uh, her name is Harmenia. Yeah. And uh, she likes to touch her eyes. <laughs> yeah. She's she's pretty crazy. I'm not gonna lie. But uh, seeing Victorique, Cordelia's daughter, basically triggers her to go super crazy. And she's not, I feel like she's not important at the very start. But then as you go through the thing, you're like, oh, wait, she is actually important. Yeah. Um, so over the, over the course of while they're there, they, you know, experience the festival. Um... The three students, or two of the three students end up dying. Uh, I actually don't think they tell you what happens to the last student, right? The, uh, I'm trying to remember. The first student gets burned alive. Right, Alan. Alan gets burned alive. Raul gets shot. Second one gets shot. The third one? Yeah, I don't think they, they say what happens to him. Well, he's dead. We're just going to say that he's dead. Yeah, Derek, right? Yeah, Derek's fucking dead. Yeah, it turned out uh, they were there to steal everything. Crazy. Blew my mind. I didn't see that coming. Oh, apparently he was incarcerated. He's dead. I don't know. I'm going to go with he's dead, because that doesn't, that doesn't sound as cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, during the festival, the, main, the most important thing that happens is they go ask the village elder for their, like, a, not a premonition, fortune telling. Their fortune. Yeah. And what he says... They they each had one wish, right? And yeah. he was going to answer it. Or one question, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And he was going to answer it no matter what the question was. Right. And we're with Cujo when he asked the question, and he basically says, or asks if him and Victorique are going to be together forever. And the old guy, uh, Sergius, Sergius? Sergius? Uh, Sergius, Sergius, yeah. Sergius basically says that it... They're going to be separated by a great wind, but their hearts will always stay together. So we don't know what this great wind is currently, but all the fortune we we know that fortune telling this has been pretty accurate. So we yeah. can't just dismiss it, right? We got to be like, okay, there's a great wind. They're going to be separated, but they will always be connected through their heart. And it turns out Victorique asked the exact same question, which was like, oh. She does care. Yeah. What was it that she told uh, Cujo? Uh, she said that her question was, that was she going to be short forever? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. You know, she's, she's, she's being typical Tsunere right there. She's yeah. like, it's not like I cared about, asked if I was going to be with you forever or anything. That's if I was going to be short. Yeah. But uh, that was the main takeaway from that arc. And the, it's, it's solved by basically Victorique finds out that Harmenia, the crazy maid from the beginning, killed the elder 
as a as a child because her fortune that she asked him at the time was that when she was gonna die and the elder was like oh you're gonna die when you're 26 and that was the year that she turned 26 yeah yeah so basically you know everything's coming together so that's why she killed him because she was just like she couldn't handle it she killed him she framed cordelia and cordelia got branded as a sinner and was kicked out of the village and then, spoiler alert: she she did die. <laughs> she, she did, did die. die in her twenty six years. She, she uh, fell off a burning fucking bridge. Yep she she died right there. She's people die when they are killed. Yeah. Uh, she got I got. Think, uh, I think another thing, um, real quick before we move on to this next arc. Yeah. There was another character named Ambrose. My boy Ambrose. And he was like the, I guess, uh, assistant to Sergius. Yeah. Yeah. And so he. What was really interesting about him is like when these outsiders come in and he starts like talking to them, he goes from being like, No, like I'm this is my home forever, like it doesn't matter what else is out there, to like being torn about that. Right? Like right. I think to a point where I he he questions Sergius, right? And Sergius like basically backhands him and tells him to shut the hell up. Yeah, pretty much. And um so they're so they basically are casting them out right towards the end. So when you find out that Herminia is the, you know, the actual killer, she sets the bridge on fire and Ambrose makes the decision to cross the bridge to help them escape. Right. Right. To help them get them to safety. And so, yeah, it was like, he broke free. I, I, I don't want to call him a cult, but they're kind of culty. They're hella culty, dude. Dude, you know what it reminded me of? Midsommar. Yes, ex- yes, dude. Yes, it really did. Yeah, yeah. You are a hundred percent right. It was it was hella culty. Not yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, that is ooh, baby. Oh, I, I guess uh, something else you you didn't mention, or maybe you did, was uh, the the box. Uh, Brian Roscoe. Oh yeah, Brian Chicken uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Yeah. So you see oh. him in the beginning of the arc. He's as a street performer. And then it's revealed that he left the village because the only way to get to a village is to cross a drawbridge, right? Right. So he left the village and then he came back to provide them with electricity. (laughs) And so, like, he has a deal with them where he, I don't know, they pay him or whatever and he gives them electricity. Right. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the most important thing that happened in the arc. And uh, they actually, uh, Reveal tells Victorica that's going to be a lot harder for her to get out of school because she is pretty much trapped in the school, trapped, quote unquote, in the school. Yeah. Um, in St. Marguerite. And even if she did clear the name of her mother, we'll find out, because that, that is the reason that they give her... Or that she gives that she that's why she's trapped in the school because her mother was a sinner from this village and married her father and had her, but when the father found out he she was a sinner, she was he was like, You tainted my bloodline or whatever, and basically eats her away and locks up Victorique. Yeah. So Victorique grew up pretty much alone in a tower. That's it. And that's that's really sad. Up, uh, sad. Growing up alone is sad. 
I think we can skip the next two. What so, were the next two? The uh, Kazuya going to Sabrem, the capital, and saving the human trafficked girls. Okay, yeah. I think we could skip that and then reveal reveals love with Jake Wellen. Oh, dude. Jake Quellen, my waifu? Yeah, dude. Okay, there Jacqueline is There were so is many wa- waifus, bro. So they really many. were, yeah. Uh, as much as I would like to go over that, that is, you know, I don't think it's that important. Other than yeah. Reveal has a very strong attachment to Jacqueline. And to help her out, he basically had to ask Victorique to solve a case where she was accused of murdering something. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that brings up, like, you, you mentioned his, uh, Reveal's uh, hair earlier. Mm-hmm. And why he keeps it like that. And it's because he went to Victorique for help and she told him that he had to wear his hair like that, basically. Yeah. Like that was his punishment for for asking her help. Yeah, pretty much. And I think it's nice that he like that. You can tell that he cares deep down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then he gets absolutely destroyed because Jake Quillen goes and marries the police chief. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, f- uh, reveal no general signore signore." Yeah, that was I was sad, honestly. Yeah, because like, yeah, I I feel like reveal is in a very bad place because you can tell that he wants to be a good person. You know, he wants to help people out, but yeah. he's also the son of dude who's a not a good person. Yeah, it's like he's really torn between like what he wants out of life and like what his duty is as the son of De Bleu. Of I mean, I guess we can say the name of of Al- Albert Albert, Albert De Blua. Albert? Well, I guess he's French, right? The, yeah, but they say Albert. Yeah, I mean, and he's the he's something in the government, right? The head of the of the occult, occult, the Ministry of the Occult. Yeah, yeah, and basically the king of. Sabire uses his expertise to help him run the country, which uh, I don't think you ever want a ministry of a cult helping run the country. Yeah, dude. I feel like that's not good. That's how you uh, end up with fucking uh, ivermectin. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. But uh, those, yeah, those are the two arcs that were like, I feel like it was to calm down after the after the big old, you know, finding out or clearing Cordelia's name, thing. Yeah, because I I feel like that was a that was a really big arc. I think in terms of like the number of episodes, but right. also just like the it was it was a heavy for sure, you know, heavy arc. Yeah, and it's you know it gives us a lot of information too, and I think these two would be like, oh, here's some you know more random mysteries, and hey, yeah. you guys love Graveal. Look at this guy. Get a get a load yeah. of this guy. Look I at his hair. I feel like if anything was filler, it was it was what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Which oh. uh, which episode right, are you drink. on right now? Uh, so we're about to go into the story of the Undying Alchemist or that Leviathan. Is, which episode is that? Uh, I'm trying to see here. That's a good question. Maybe around twelve. Twelve. Okay, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. So basically, the episode starts off with Avril being like, "Oh my God, Kazuya, want to go to my summer house?" And she says it exactly like that, where she's gonna hold her concert, 
you know, for her new song, Girlfriend. <laughs> Directly dedicated to Kazuya because she doesn't like his girlfriend. God damn it. Her name's Avril. I can't stop. I'm I sorry. I know, dude. God damn it. I can't stop. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, you, you. And it's 100% it's true because she is very jealous of Victorique. She's yeah. very, very jealous of Victorique. Because, like, like we said earlier, she does like Kazuya. And Kazuya is dumb as fuck, so he doesn't see anything. Oh, God, he's so dumb, dude. He is Just actually so, so dumb. dumb. <laughs> Just so dumb. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, I think the main parts of this arc were talking about Kazuya's family. Um, how they, their expectations on him and how mm -hmm. they see his relationship with Victorique. And also introducing uh, the story of the, the alchemist. What's his name? Leviathan. Leviathan, yeah. Um, so I think one of the biggest things... I just scrolled past it. I had it right here. Um, one of the biggest things was Kazuya gets... He receives basically a package from Japan from his relatives, including stuff from his brothers who I feel like are very, some of the most harsh people to Kazuga, his brothers and his dad. Yeah. You know, not so much his sister. Uh, Rudy. Rudy is his sister, and then his mother. I don't think we ever see his mother. Do we ever see his mother? Um, uh, in flashbacks, I yes, for sure. I don't know if you actually see her face. Mother's not I important. Know, yeah, well, they do the whole flashback thing where, like, you know, the dad's being really harsh on him and is like knocks him down and is like, get back up. Yeah. And then he like literally goes to the mom and is like, this is why he's the way he is, is because you're soft on him. Yeah. You know, classic you know? toxic classic masculinity. Toxic, yep. Yeah. So, you know, it gives a little more insight into Kazuya's character mm -hmm. because a lot of his character development comes from his interactions with Victorique. So I guess this is more of a like, hey, look, Kazuya also has his hard past with him. And we get little snippets of, you know, that flashback. Now we get more interaction, especially with his sister. I think I like the interaction with his sister. Yeah. With Rudy. Because she is, she's, she's nice. She's a nice one. And uh, she always does stand up to Kazuya's father, you know, for him. Like a good, yeah. like a good sister. Um, so I think that's one of the most important aspects of this arc. And then also, they... This was uh, when uh, Victorique got trapped in the tree, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Yeah, she's really stubborn, so she's, like, in a tree. And Kazuya's like, I brought you some cake! And uh, he just, like, leaves it at the base of the tree. Because she says something like, whatever, you're an idiot. Something. Well, he, he straight up asks her. He's like, are you stuck in the tree? Here, let me help you down. I brought you some cake. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying to entice her with the, with the sweets you know oh man that's so funny dude i thought that was, dude, that was yeah that was, so that was one of my favorite avril moments though because like you know victory's like no i don't need your help idiot and so he's like okay well i'll just leave the cake here and he walks away and then like not even two seconds later um uh did i say avril i meant cecile, cecile yeah so she like walks by and she's like what is that delicious cake doing there <laughs> Hmm. Hey, does this belong to anybody? Guess not. And then she just starts eating it. That was so funny, dude. Oh my god. It it, it was nice. It was nice to have like um uh, like we just had some heavy ass episodes. So yeah. good. 
And it gives more... In- I, I think this episode is mainly for Insight into Kazuya. Yeah. Insight into Kazuya, which was pretty nice, pretty good. The Fool Designates His Own Mouthpiece. I like the names of the episodes. They're uh, yeah, pretty cool. They're, they're really good. And uh, this sets up the whole Leviathan arc because it starts with Avril Lavigne and Kazuya um, watching the film. All right, this is in French, so... <laughs> Le illusion de la tour sombre. Um, or the illusion of the dark tower. Which is all about, you know, an alchemist in the dark tower. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm sorry, friends. It's okay. Just, they already hate us. They dude. already hate us, man. They already hate us. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So basically, when they come back to the academy, they see a clock tower that reminds them of the film. They're like, oh shit, the tower. There's a tower in the film. You know? So yeah. they decide to go to the tower. They're like, wouldn't it be scary as shit if there was some alchemy shit in here? <laughs> and lo and behold, there's uh, apparati. Apparat- apparatuses? Apparati? Apparati, yeah. Uh, so no, the apparatuses, I don't know. Oh, damn it. Uh, basically, there's a bunch of alchemy shit in there, right? Yeah. Um, so now they're starting to get freaked out, right? They're, they're starting to get freaked out, and uh, Avril is like, yo, Levi- the Leviathan, he's a masked alchemist, and he lived uh, 30, 30 years ago? 30-something, 30, 30 years ago. And uh, the queen of uh, oh my goodness, the Queen of Sawville basically allowed him to intervene in political affairs, but the queen, the, the king was just like this, this man actually gonna be talking with the king? Or the, with the queen? So then he kills him. You know, as, as any king would do, he pretty much just kills him. And after that, they're just like uh, I feel like it kind of Basically, Cecile comes and is just like, yo, you're not supposed to be here, you know, but she says it in her Cecile <laughs> way. And yeah. uh, it's actually pretty funny because Avril thinks that she's on a date with Kazuya and Kazuya is just like, peace, and goes to hang out with Victorique. And I was like, yeah. that was another moment where I was just like, I'll rip Avril. She gets wrecked in this show, dude. Like, she I feel really like does. she yeah. just gets wrecked. And I'm just like, damn, dude, poor, poor Avril Levine. She tries her best. So... Um, basically, he goes to Victorique, and he's like, yo, story of Leviathan, huh? And... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, trying to get her to be... Because she doesn't like being bored. That's one of yeah. her main things. She doesn't like being bored. But, uh, okay, we're going to skip some stuff. What can we skip up to? Um, the main thing I want to get across, I would say, is that the alchemist was very prominent in political, mm-hmm. um, in the political sphere, and we see that, um, like I don't know, not mirrored, but we see that with um, Victoria's dad, you know, where he's a part of the, you know, yeah. basically the Ministry of the Cult, but he's very involved in political affairs, and I think that's the most important thing to take from this current arc yeah, well, i would say it's, it's literally the 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 king that alberta blue works for is the same king who 
had who put so much trust into the Leviathan. Yeah. It's like it's the same dude. Yeah. Well, so, honestly, dude, probably, dude probably shouldn't be running a country. He probably shouldn't be. He seems pretty bad, honestly. Yeah, he seems kind of like an idiot. <laughs> he seems pretty, pretty not good. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I think we can go to Beelzebub Skull. Beelzebub Skull. Hey, Antichrist, uh, Beelzebub. Dude, I was listening to that on the way home. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, that whenever I see Beelzebub, that's literally the first thing that just pops into my into my head. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> basically Victorique receives orders from her father, Mr. or um, Mar Marquis, he's a marquis, right? Marquis Albert de Blois. Um, and she's going to be taken to a covenant or convent, sorry, a convent to to in Lithuania. And she's basically just, you know, just just spirited away there, you know, like, no, she's got no time to do anything. She's only got a time to send one letter, and she sends the word idiot to Kazuya, which I think is perfect. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> and uh, basically, she's going to stay in Beelzebub's skull. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my God, dude. I'm dying over here. Dude, just, just live, forehead. I know, right? Holy moly. Um, but anyway, Kazuya is down because obviously Victorique just got taken away. You know, his it's affecting his studies. He's like, you know, he's basically all like, eh, Victorique, <laughs> basically like that, right? Um, but uh, basically, I think he goes to a festival, right? Wait, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. No, 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 yeah, yeah. So he actually stumbles upon Victorique's mother. He stumbles upon Cordelia, yellow, and goes to a Phantasmagoria festival. And basically the most important thing of this festival is that we're reintroduced to Brian Roscoe mm -hmm. and Brian Roscoe's connection to Cordelia, uh, which is Victorique's mother. And I think that's the most important part of this. I'm trying to... I think this is, like, episode... I want to say... 15? Uh, yes, yeah, so episode... Yeah. Or maybe it's later. On... Well, I'm... Here, I'm looking at a list right now. So, 17 is Phasmagoria stuff. Uh, it might be 17. Uh, 16 is when you see the, like, uh... The statue or whatever that, like, appears in the sky. Right. So, so I think might be it. Yeah, Phantasmagoria. Phantasmagoria. So yeah, like episode 15, 16, somewhere around there? No, 16. 16. It's definitely 16. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> I I just think it's like that. I don't know. I feel like Kazuya would have been able to tell that that was a like sure they look similar, really similar. But I don't know. Yeah. It's like you, you know somebody, right? Yeah. I feel yeah. like if you know somebody, I feel. Uh, but Kazuya is dumb as fuck. I'm not even gonna. Yeah, and I also think like to you know, yeah, he's dumb, but like it was crowded, and he. I think when he saw her, it was just a glimpse, right? Right. Because I think he sees her, and then she just like walks away, right? Right. Dude, that's my waifu though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he meets back up with Victorique. 
and they're taking a uh he takes her back to the phantasmagoria festival and he's just really happy uh that you know he's got her back and victoric realizes that her mother is still you know alive and watching over her that's the biggest take from that part it's uh the, the i feel like the relationship between victorique and her mother is pretty i wouldn't say it's complicated but there is she obviously loves her mother right her mother gives her yeah. a coin to keep with her forever and she keeps that coin it's very precious to her you know we see on multiple occasions she's grasping it when Kazuya's gonna go touch it she's like get the hell away from me kid and uh all that stuff so obviously she thinks very highly of her mother even though she pretty much just grew up without her yeah and uh it i I feel like when she realizes that her mother has been watching over her all this time i think it's a really big revelation to her really big um impact on her Mm -hmm. because now she doesn't you know think like oh my mother's just gone she actually still does you know love me and see i'm trying to go over the filler that's whatever whatever well that uh the whole thing with the uh fly's head which is the beelzebub beelzebub um they confront or uh no 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 cujo confronts uh the marquee right right and so he confronts the marquee and then the marquee basically has them so there's a dam right right um that protects the like the festival and so the marquee just straight up is like open the dam and it water starts rushing in the water level rises so everybody has to get out and it just so happens deus ex machina right the fucking uh the train magically is there and so they get on it and that leads into the next mystery right right uh i think Go ahead. Uh, another important thing is the memento box. Do you remember? Yes. That's, yeah. That's that's the the train mystery though, right? Yeah, that's all the train mystery. But uh, yeah. we do. Cordelia basically mentions the memento box, and they that, that that's what they're looking for, right? The memento yeah. box, and I think it, it's mentioned earlier, but they were too late. It's basically not there, and that's what leads up to the train incident. Um, you know what's crazy? Easel Bub sinks. That's you know obviously because he opened the dam, right? Yeah. So I always thought that was pretty cool. It was uh, it was it was pretty nice. Good old Easel Bub's skull. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go on to the next. Oh, oh no! Close my thing. All right, we're good. We're good. We're fine. Control Shift T. We're fine. We're good. Mm. <laughs> That was my bad. Um, okay, so where are we gonna go right here? The masquerade ball. Wonder if we can just skip that. Yeah, that was with yeah. uh that's oh, you know what though? The masquerade ball, that's when uh Victor Reek dresses up as what did she dress up as? What was the name of it? Uh whoa, wait, 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 wait. Cause her and uh Cujo dress up as two characters from a fairy tale. Right? Wait, I'm losing my brain. 
Yeah, the masquerade ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where they have I to just dress don't up? remember what they dress up as. Yeah, so he dresses up as a rabbit, and she dresses up. It's basically like the same like Victorian style clothing that she wears. Yeah, pretty much. But it's like you know a costume dress basically, and uh, that was the first and only time that another classmate complimented Cujo. Dude, we take it. We take those, right? They literally, a dude literally walks up to him and goes. Oh, you know what, Reaper? You're not so scary when you're dressed as a rabbit. <laughs> you're also, not so dude, scary, by the way. Poor Avril. Dude, Avril just Avril gets wrecked. Was looking, Avril was looking cute in her freaking like Tinkerbell costume. And yeah, then Kudra right. was like, was like, uh, oh, because I think she she even told him, like, yeah, we can dress up together. And then he was like, I'm gonna go see if Victorique wants to dress up with me. Yeah. Like That's right in so front bad. of her, and she's yeah. like, critical hit to the heart, dude. And I was like, oh, God, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I think the best part about that is that Cecil knows that Avril likes Cujo. And so she, like, is not so subtly getting Cujo to, like, hang out with Avril. But Cujo's so fucking dumb that he's just like, <laughs> whatever. I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, Avril could straight up go up to him and be like, Cujo, look me in the eye. I fucking love you, dude. Like, I love you. I want to be with you. Let's get married. And he would, <laughs> he would just be like, I got to go ask Victorique if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Um, okay, so that ha- I think we're going to skip to basically this Christmas. The, the last arc, right? Yeah, like this Christmas forward. Right? And we basically find out Cord- uh, Cordelia... Victorique's mother was not actually married to Marquis Albert yeah, de Lua. Yeah, I had uh, issues with this, dude. She, it turns out that she was taken by him because he wanted the Grey Wolf bloodline. So he takes her, he basically, you know, grapes her. He straight up kidnaps her. Yeah. And then R-words her. Yes. Forces her to give birth. Mm-hmm. And then just basically casts her aside. And that's where Victorique yeah. comes. Who was born uses on Christmas. The, uses the bullshit excuse of like, oh, it's because she's a murderer. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's pretty yikes. But we do find out that Cordelia did know Ryan Roscoe's chicken and waffles before then. Yes. And uh, she used to perform in a cabaret club. Mm-hmm. What, was it? what was the name of it? Basically, she performed in the cabaret club, and Brian Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles was like, damn, that girl fine. And uh, they were supposed to meet up, but that's when Cordelia gets captured, and he yeah. basically never sees her. Like, he, he sees them. He sees her being kidnapped, goes to try to save her, and then I think literally, like, four guys come out, right, and just beat the shit out of him. Yeah, this is where... Yeah, dude, I had really big issues with that. When you find out what actually happened, I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable, dude. Yeah, that is a pretty big yikes. But uh, yeah, after she gave birth to Victorique, she was basically taken to a sanitarium, Mm -hmm. and um, she was rescued from that sanitarium by Brian because he's still... Yeah, he's still... I'm not even gonna lie. He's still... Yeah. He's all about that Cordelia. It is... it's honestly really sad. Like, yeah, like, like this show is obviously pretty dark. You know, people die when they're killed. 
mm-hmm. and you get little aspects of like, oh well, Victoria didn't have the greatest life growing up, and it's like when you see the circumstances of how she came to be in that situation, you're like, oh fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a pretty big yikes. But uh, this is the time of the second storm, I would say. I think that that's mentioned in the in the thing. Basically, it's, yeah, the, the beginning of the second storm. Yeah. So this is the next big event that's gonna go and attack. Not not like attack, but blow. Uh, it's the wind that blows onto their relationship, yeah. right? Uh, so we get from the elder dude's fortune telling thing, where he's like, a great wind is gonna, you know, separate you or whatever. This is the you know the second big storm. So they go to a sh- a show, right? Um, yeah. The Blue Rose of Sabrem. Why do why do I always screw up that? <laughs> the Subreme, name of the place, Sabrem. Sabrem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's so like my brain is just not comprehending Sabrem or anything. Sabrem. But uh, yeah, Victory gets got at this show, and um, Kazuya. Obviously, is like Kazuya and Greville are like, well, we gotta, we gotta save her, you know. But it ends up they actually can't save her at this current time because the Marquis Albert de Bleu is, you know, they he's the one that's basically taking her. Yeah, so I guess like the lead up to this whole thing and like the thing with the 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 box you had mentioned earlier was these were fragments of a mystery of mm-hmm. a murder, which is what the play is based off of. Right. That they went to go see. So what happens, right, is Victory gets taken. Um, Cujo runs after her. Uh, I believe Graville goes in too. And there's a bunch of guys. So Cujo can't do anything. Graville can't do anything, doesn't choose chooses not to do anything. Right. Because he's under orders from his father. Right. So the the guards or whatever are trying to force Victorique to solve this mystery. And she tells him that she can't because there's not enough fragments, right? Right. And so they do they are do they hit her? I can't remember. They right, well, they're they're being forceful with her. They, they're being her. aggressive. Yeah, and right. it's one of those instances where you can see, like, um, uh, Graville is kind of just standing there watching, but you can tell that he's, like, he, he wants to do something. But There's a storm inside of him. Go yeah. against his father and help Victorique or, you know, not go against his father. Yeah. And honestly, his father's pretty scary. Yeah. Like, uh, he's not a good dude. He's... Obviously, a pretty bad dude. I mean, from he is what we've what said, we call a shitter. He, yeah, he's definitely what we call a shitter. And uh, basically, during this play, you know, that Victorique tells Cujo basically what's gonna like. She she solves the mystery. <laughs> yeah. So I I guess backstory real quick. Basically, uh, the play is about the queen, uh. Of the current king, who you know we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interacted with the Leviathan, and now Albert de Blua is his, like, kind of like his right hand man, I guess, right. like left hand man technically. Yeah. Um. So King doesn't have a good track record. His wife is murdered, 
and nobody can f- solve the mystery. So the play is about her murder. Right. Right. And uh, that's the mystery that they're wanting uh, victory to solve. Right. Right. That she, which she says she can't because she doesn't have enough fragments. I actually like how this ends up. Mm-hmm. The where do you find out that Coco and her son were the were you know like the queen? Yeah. And the and her and and the son. I thought that was a really good touch. Yeah. And they were the ones who like helped out Victoria and Kazia. Yeah. So basically, I mean, yeah. I mean, let's. I'll I'll touch on that real quick then. Um. So basically, Coco and the Leviathan. We're having an affair, right? Nice. She gets pregnant, gives birth to the Leviathan's son, and because the Leviathan is South African? Yeah, he's African, yeah. African. The baby comes out. I can't remember the term they use, but the, the baby is biracial. Dark-skinned right. baby, right? Right. The king finds out, freaks out, and kills the queen, right? He cuts her head off clean with the sword. Except it wasn't the queen. It was her... Maid? maid? Nurse? Who looks... Maid? Just like her, yeah. A- who knew that something was happening? Happening. So the maid shoved the queen into a closet to protect her, and the king came in in, in a fit of rage or, or passion, killed the maid, thinking it was his wife. Right. Dude. And then the queen and her son were able to escape, and they actually interact with Victory and Cujo. Yeah, maid MVP. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. She... So they're able to. They're Got able it. to figure that out. And we and also I feel like, oh sorry go ahead. We also find out that there's not one Brian Roscoe's chicken and waffles. Oh yeah, dude. There's two Brian Ro- yes. Roscoe's chicken and waffles. They're twins, and they're both named Brian Roscoe. Why would they think that was? A- <laughs> <laughs> that was. I'm just like. It's funny though, because they allude to that um earlier in the episode when Victorique gets taken and uh, Cujo runs in, like he sees Brian, like he interacts with Brian Roscoe. Right. And then he sees him like two seconds later and is like, wait a minute, I just saw you back there. What entire right, nation? Which, which like kind of makes sense because Brian Roscoe is a magician, like a street performer. Right. And then you find out that, no, that there's two of them. Yeah. They couldn't uh, do Brian and Ryan, bro? Yeah, like really? Ryan would have been good. Yeah. Well, one of the main things about Brian is uh, one of them is completely fine with Victorique, while the other one's not completely fine with yeah, so they're both extremely loyal to Cordelia. But like Mark said, one of them is, has, a, has a grudge against Victorique. Yeah. It's... Uh, uh, I feel like you, you shouldn't take it out on the kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like she didn't... She, she wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to be born just to fuck with Brian. Fuck that guy. Yeah. So I think he needs to he, he needs to chill, right? Yeah. So I I guess because you're getting into the end of the show, right? Right. Yeah. So I will say this: I feel like the solving of the mystery of of the murdered queen was it was a test by by Albert Blua mm-hmm. to see if Victorique was ready, right? Right. Because as we'll discuss, he he so. He ends up basically straight up telling the king, like, I know that you killed your wife, but yep. what if I told you that wasn't actually your wife? So then the king loses it and basically gives control to Albert, Albert de Blua. Yeah. So then he decides that he's going to use 
Victorique as, and I can't remember the name, but it was, it's a fairy tale, basically like an all seeing, seeing fortune teller. Mm -hmm. And he's going to use her to predict uh, the outcome of the war to protect uh, Sabior. Yeah, exactly. You know how the start of the thing, yeah, yeah how the start of the series, uh, so how it's, how it started basically. Uh, a big ritual to t- to see the outcome of a, of a great war and yeah. doing it again, but this time using Victorie. And um, she uses like a chessboard. Yeah, the... so she has an illuminated chessboard mm-hmm. that she's basically playing herself, right? Right. She's playing against herself and like to predict the outcome of the war, like this great threat. Right. Um, and I guess at this point, we should also mention that the school shut down. Yeah. Marguerite shuts down. So everybody has to go home. So Cujo is having to go home, right? Yep. But he actually gets picked up by Greville, right? And some of uh I guess the uh the Marquis um henchmen. Right. Right. And they use him to draw Victorique out of the tower, basically. Pretty much, yeah. So that she's forced to help them. Yeah. And then he gets shipped back. And he off. gets shipped back off to Japan, yeah. where he's uh basically conscripted into the military. Well, not conscripted. Yeah. He's the son of a soldier. He was probably more yeah. than like in the military either way. But um, we see you know Kujo going through the military. It's been like I think it's been a year or something since he last uh, yeah, seen Greek, so. and he's training and everything for the Great War that's about to happen. But he's writing her every day, dude. He is writing her every single day. You wrote me every day. <laughs> If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Scraw! Scraw! And then uh, I think the big, big event at the very end of the series is when the Bryans and <laughs> Cordelia are doing their plan to take out uh, the Marquis, Albert de Blua. Yeah. And it goes pretty, I want to say that it goes pretty poorly because they yeah. accomplished it, but literally they all die. Yeah, so basically they cart they 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 bring out Victorique to give a speech where she's uh, basically going to, you know, do the whole like by listening to me I we, I'm going to save Sabior and it turns out it's Cordelia and she just starts calling uh the blue out on all the shit he's done. Yeah. And then she like rushes him. They fight for like half a frame. <laughs> and then Brian gets involved and starts fighting like the two occultists that always accompany uh Deblua. Yeah. For like half a frame. And then everyone's dead except for Brian one. <laughs> yeah, Brian like, two died. But Brian no, no, one's well, a Well wait, Brian wait. two's like about to die. Yeah, he's he just like in the process of dying. Yeah. There's like a fire, like they set fire to the stage, it sets fire to the entire town. And so Brian two just kind of sits there and is like, well. This is how I die. Yeah. And I think it's because Cordelia yeah. died, right? Yeah. So I and think then... Brian 1 loved Cordelia. And he was what happens like... to Brian 1 that he gets injured? I can't remember. Oh, actually, what happens to Brian? He's Get wounded, injured. right? He's definitely he's... wounded. It might have just yeah. happened in the fight. I think it's so that. he's wounded. Him and Victory go onto a ship, right? They're trying to escape. Yeah. So he saves and, her, basically. Uh, he, like, yeah, takes he's... her out. He saves her. And he's like, don't worry, Victorique. We're going to be okay. <laughs> Which obviously means he's going to die. He's... Oh, I guess before that. 
sorry i don't mean to keep interrupting oh you're good dude they're in a carriage right and that's when like he basically straight up tells her like you know um that he doesn't like her that um he wishes that cordelia just would stop caring about victory because if if she stopped then she'd still be alive right um because and this is the weird part dude because they kind of allude to the fact that the Bryans are in love with cordelia but then surviving brian is like if you weren't in the picture then we would have her all to ourselves and we would have the love of a mother like a mother that we never had and so you're kind of like mommy that's sorry that's mommy? Yeah. <laughs> mommy? sorry mommy like that's incest dog <laughs> you know and so then uh he basically goes crazy and tries killing victorique and then this motherfucker straight up falls off a cliff yeah and victory saved oh no that's how he gets injured that's what it is oh yeah yeah he was totally victory saves he him cliff. yeah and uh she's like hey you want to take me anyway and he's like fuck i guess i have to now yeah so he takes like, yeah. apologizes you know so that's good so yeah so then victory gets out and she finally gets all the re- the letters that Kujo wrote to her yes and uh, um, pretty much after that is like the epilogue of what happens. Yeah. Well, so basically they're on a ship, right? Right. And then Brian is like telling her, you know, basically what's going to happen that like, you know, she has to run and like protect herself and stuff. And he ends up dying on the ship. And so they give him a burial at sea. Um, So they just put his body in the water. Right. And then the uh, she overhears um two of the guards well she before that happened she overhears two people talking about how the marquee is dead right so then she inquires about her mom and they're like who the, what the fuck are you talking about get away from me <laughs> and then later on she hears two of the the people on the ship uh talking about how they're looking for a girl like a young looking girl with that looks hair. like um cordelia yeah like they basically give the description of cordelia and they see her standing there right after they you know barry uh brian roscoe yeah brian roscoe's chicken and waffles uh, and uh they pull they pull back because she's wearing a nun outfit so they pull off the the head thing that she's wearing and her hair's white yeah it's completely silver, white. Right? silver 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 yeah so she goes from blonde to silver and they're like well i guess it's not her even though we think it looks like her i know right, right? and then like you're saying it gets to the epilogue you want to go over that so it it basically gives us after you know the the war broke out and things are going back to normal. It gives us like what each character is kind of doing. So we see that Ambrose, the dude from the Grey Wolf Village, he's like helping in the library or something. Yeah, which is nice. You know that that's cool. Uh, Graveal is reinstated into the Seville Police with the help of his friend Jack uh, Jay Quillen, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Rip Graveal. Holy shit. Uh, he doesn't wear the hairstyle anymore. Yeah, his hair's down now. Is it's down now? Um, he's more somber, I would say. But uh, you know, he went through a lot of shit. Uh, Avril Lavigne became a pop star. He didn't. She 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 came in an explorer and grew her hair her hair long. And the world hates her so much that she writes a letter, puts it in a bottle, and like throws it out to sea. And it's for Cujo. And then the fucking tide just brings it right back to her. Yeah, that was the. <laughs> they are not nice to Avril yeah, in this dude, in this Avril. in this series. It's it's pretty sad. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sad. Um, 
Let's see. What do we have to talk about him? Sophie and Cecile. So Sophie is the house mother and yeah. Cecile's the teacher. They reopen St. Marguerite Academy. And uh basically in what is this? In nineteen twenty nine. So I think this is five years after the series starts. Yes. Um it turns out that Victorique has made her way to Japan. And when Kazuya's coming home, uh, instead of meeting just his sister, he also meets Victorique with his sister. Yep. And they get married. And that that that's Gosik. That that's it. Is and uh this is okay, so I talked about this earlier. Uh well actually I think we're still gonna do spoiler, a little bit of spoiler stuff, right? Oh, JK. Um so you said this earlier about like how Graville doesn't talk to this to Victorique directly. Right. Except he does right at the end when he say like he he literally is right in front of her and instead of being like, Hey, come here, he just straight up tells her like you have to run and watch your back. And yeah. he just like leaves. And like that's what he tells her. And like that that's it, right? Then right. she goes off with with uh Ryan Brosco. Um <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really good because like I talked about earlier, like I had this relationship with with that character where I was like, is he good? Is he kind of yeah. finished, whatever? And then in the end he ultimately decides that like in his own way he's going to help his sister exactly and i think that's okay. like the best i think that's like one of his best parts yes now uh can you still hear me yeah okay did my camera freeze did it no you're good my stream froze you're good oh, on my know. thing okay okay we're good um here is where i deducted a half point all right let's hear it let's see it the series overall i thought was great i loved it uh i it was literally one of those things where i i was like i'm gonna watch uh you know an episode every day and i'll be done with time for the podcast i was watching like three or four episodes at a time because i was just like so into it right right which it's very hard for me to watch anything that's like syndicated i did not like the ending oh I no the, okay let me tell you about i no, like the that's ending, fine. but i felt it was very rushed very very rushed because they're like building up to this thing the entire series like what like what's the purpose of uh the, you know the marquee having um victory and like what is all this and then you finally get to that point and you know Cord cordelia shows up and like i said they fight for like half a frame it, it just seemed like the payoff wasn't good enough for the build-up right opinion. right right in terms of what happens there and then it's like you have this this war like the last episode was very much just like we're gonna jump between victorique and between cujo and then victorique and cujo and like what they're doing right and it, like you know you do still see that cujo still cares about victorique he's still concerned for her he keeps that locket around his or the ring around his the neck ring, on a yeah. chain um and like and he shouldn't and his drill instructor like straight up rips the 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 chain and he grabs the ring from the drill instructor and the drill instructor just starts beating the shit out of him. Right. For like defying him, right? And he just doesn't let go of it because he cares about victory more than his own physical well-being, right? Yeah, 100%. And then you get to that end where, you know, you see 
Cujo's sister and a hooded figure, very tiny hooded figure, waiting for Cujo to get off the boat. And I'll be honest with you, when I, I knew there was a time jump, so when I saw that, I was like, did Cujo have a kid? <laughs> oh, God. I was like, "Yeah, what? The, what?" And then he goes up to you know this person and kneels down, and I was like, he had a fucking kid. And then he takes the hood off, and it's Victorique. Right. Right? So, like, that I liked. I liked that ultimately they ended up together. Yeah. I hated how anticlimactic the ending was for me. That is fair. That is you know what I mean? So this show is actually where I learned of the Marie Antoinette syndrome. Yes. That's why her hair turns completely silver. Yeah. So I, I was actually, I was literally looking it up while you were talking about it. Um, and I have this passage here from the Gosick fandom wiki. Yeah. And it says, in the latter part of the series, a possible explanation for Victory's sudden change of hair color is Marie Antoinette syndrome. Um, the phenomenon was named blah, 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 blah. Let me see. Another possible rumored explanation is that she bleached her hair on purpose to hide from the people searching for her. However, the true reason is the fact, as explained in the light novels, that she's mixed blood supernatural being, leaving the old continent caused her hair to turn silver and to fall into a coma. Those were listed rumors of the light novels, but in the animation never falls into the coma, so it was attributed to Marie Antoinette syndrome. I like that the better. The loss than the of coma. her mother of the loss of the Bryans and the depression of being separated from Cujo. Yeah. That's what I like to think it is. I don't, I don't, I'm not the biggest on the supernatural coma thing. I think that's great. And, uh, did you know there's actually a sequel anime or not an anime, a sequel light novel series, right? It's uh, Gosik red new continent. They're in America. They are in America, but yeah, it's a Gosik red, pink, blue, and green. Okay. It's four volumes and it takes place in America because apparently Cujo's dad was like, yo, fuck Victory. And Cujo's like, yeah, fuck you, dad. Then they, they leave. <laughs> Wait, so I'm, I'm looking here. There's Gosic Blue. Yeah, I think it starts red and then blue, pink, green. Okay. And what is blue? Is that a collection of everything? Or... I don't. I have no idea. I'm, I'm also seeing here there's like Gosic Light Novels Volume 1. Yeah, so that's what the anime is based off of, the, the okay. light novel, one through nine. Okay. And I think there's, like, a collection of them, which are Go Sick S. And then... Go Six. Yeah, Go Six. And then it's Go Sick New Continent. Okay. I have no knowledge of Go Sick New Continent. I'm not gonna... Other yeah, than it takes place in North America. And good old America. But uh, they're apparently married in that. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to look into those. I'd be interested to read those those novels. I, you know what, dude? Like I said, I really enjoyed uh, the series. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I thought, uh, I thought like it was a good one to show. Okay, let, let me back up a little bit. Back in college, I said, "Mark, recommend me some anime." And this fucking guy, <laughs> I shit you not, wrote like five pages just of anime to watch, and I was like, "Ah, this ain't happening." <laughs> this ain't happening. And uh, yeah, but I think this one was definitely a good one to start off on. Right, right. You know, I think it's um, like uh, not too much out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a solid story. It's got a solid script. Thank you, Mario Kata. You're a god. Um, and it's, I, I, I think it's just good. Mm-hmm. 
it's just good, bro. Like, what more could you want than just good? Yeah, I was, I was very. I'm not even gonna say pleasantly surprised because I, I feel like you wouldn't recommend me something that's trash because we have pretty similar tastes. Right. Um. Oh boy, you're gonna also, love next time. I did. I did say like, if you want to show me something that's fucking trash, just for the memes, I'm down for it. Yeah, I'm. But, uh, we're we're ready for next time. Okay. Okay. I think I showed you the first episode. Did you? Okay. Maybe. Maybe not. Either way, um, I'm glad that you enjoyed Gosick. Uh, it was nice for me to go back and actually watch it too. I. Yeah. It was really fun. Uh, going back and also the ending, I forgot how much the MD, the ending slapped. So I was like over here, just, like just like, ah! <laughs> which is always fun and awesome. Um, and I, I, that, that's all I got, Michael. Yeah, dude. I uh, yeah, dude. Uh, thank you for, for, for starting this journey with me, taking me on this journey. Oh hell yes, dude. World of anime, one one show at a time, one series at a time. Um, I guess. Uh yeah, we're gonna be doing these episodes every two weeks, so we're we're biweekly on Weeb Digress, on our other show We Digress, uh that's also biweekly, so we'll do a podcast a week alternating between the two. Uh, Mark, I mean, if anybody wants to keep up to date with this podcast or the other podcast, uh, where can where can they find us? I think the easiest way to find us. Why did my thing not work what the heck support oh i put two s's (laughs) S's uh so the easiest place to find our i I would say like our central hub would be on anchor so you would go to anchor.fm slash we digress and i think that takes you to pretty much everything we have or you can find any Um, of our sorry real quick anchor's really weird and i can't host two podcasts on the same account (laughs) oh we have two it's anchor.fm slash we digress and the other one is simply anchor.fm slash weeb digress. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that's probably, that's like our central hub. That's where that, that'll link you to all the places you can find the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can follow just us on social media. Uh, that's we digress pod on our at everywhere. Yeah. So everywhere. Insta, Twitter, TikTok. And are, are we going to be posting weeb digress stuff on, on all those? Like, we're just going to use the same socials, right? I yeah, yeah, so. we'll okay. just use the same yeah. socials for now. I mean, uh, come later, we can do something. We can, you know, make more. But for now, it'll be on that social. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I think of this as, like, We Digress Productions. Okay. We have two podcasts. We I like digress, that. The podcast that's a hot mess, and We Digress. I like that. I like that. So there you go. Great. Um, You can follow me. Um, I'm at cloudmark27 uh, everywhere, so YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, we do do the shows on my Twitch, so that's twitch.tv slash cloudmark27. And you can also follow Michael at his stuff. Yep, I am at Mike Madran and the number zero. Literally everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Bumble, Tinder. Oh, who do you use in but if there's any cuties in chat, hit me up. You know? <laughs> cuties in <laughs> chat, baby. Oh my goodness. But um, so I guess we'll talk about to end the show off. Um, if you want to watch the anime that we're that I'm gonna have Michael watch and mm-hmm. basically follow along with us, 
The next show we are watching is Sankarea Undying Love. Okay. And Available I'll, where? It's on Funimation if you are in the States. Okay. And I will post it in chat right now. The that the Mal, the my, the my anime list. And I'll read the synopsis. I'll I'll read the the synopsis. Oh, Ready? Oh no. <laughs> <clears throat> Ever since he was a child, zombie obsessed Chihiro Furuya has always wanted an undead girlfriend. Soon enough, his love for all things zombies comes in handy when his cat, Babu, gets run over, prompting Chihiro to try to make a resurrection potion and bring him back to life. During his endeavor, he sees a rich girl named Rea Sanka yelling into an old well every day about her oppressive life. After meeting and bonding with her, Chihiro is convinced uh, by Rea to, pres to persevere into saving Babu. Eventually, he succeeds with the help of the poisonous hydrangea flowers from Rea's family garden. Unaware of the potion's success and seeking to escape the burdens of her life, Rhea drinks a resurrection potion, mistakenly thinking she will die. Though it doesn't kill her, the effects still linger, and her death from a fatal accident causes her to be reborn as a zombie. With help from Chihiro, Rhea strives to adjust to her new, albeit undead, life. For a boy wanting a zombie girlfriend, this situation would seem like a dream come true, but in Sanka Rhea, Chihiro's life becomes stranger than usual as he deals with Rhea's odd new cravings and the unforeseen consequences of her transformation all right did you have me a zombie girlfriend let's fucking go baby dude, i'm down i'm down i'm in it boys let's go dude yep. this i love this show so this is actually a shorter one yeah, uh this episodes. is this is 12 episodes i think the ova is also on funimation you don't gotta watch okay. the ova we'll just be going okay. over the main um show and uh, i might delve a little into the manga but probably you know not too much that you're gonna have to worry about it mostly just like okay. what's different at the end because it is different. but uh that, that's gonna be our show for next time so thank you again for joining us on this very first episode of weeb digress i hope you had a fantastic time and uh, i hope you enjoyed the show michael i hope you I did. It's very good enjoyed watching it enjoy talking about it is very fun for me and i hope we have a fantastic time next time as well I'll see you later, everybody. Bye.